Hi everyone, uh, it's lovely to worship together as a family and it's my privilege this morning to bring a message from the scriptures. I'm really grateful to Simon and Tom and Sarah uh, for reading from 1 Corinthians 15. This week as a nation we have remembered and commemorated the events of VE Day, 75 years on from that victory in Europe Day a day in which we remember the formal acceptance of Nazi Germany's unconditional surrender to the Allied forces. An event that changed our history. A formal conclusion to unspeakable horrors and suffering. And 75 years ago, it was a day in this nation of great celebration. Over a million people poured out onto the streets to celebrate. Many of our celebrations have had to be cancelled because of the current circumstances. If you look at these pictures, see the joy unconfined. The enemy had been defeated. There was an outpouring of gratitude. Gratitude for the heroes who had made great sacrifices to keep us safe, keep us free, saved us from tyranny. These past weeks, I've been very aware that during this time as a nation and as a world, we have faced a new enemy, a virus, a pandemic. And we have begun to acknowledge new heroes, ones that were there all the time, but maybe that we have taken for granted. Our new heroes are not pop stars, movie stars, film stars, sports stars, or celebrities, the wealthy or the famous, but the extraordinary ordinary, the fundraisers, the superheroes of the NHS. I don't know if you've been able to see the new Banksy uh, picture. Banksy, a famous street artist, some call him a vandal. He has produced this new picture of our new superheroes. Doctors and nurses, carers and cleaners, drivers and even checkout staff are our new heroes. Even our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has named his newborn son after two doctors who had served him in hospital, saved his life. We acknowledge these heroes who have made great sacrifice. I read the story recently of a priest in Italy who insisted on giving away his ventilator to a younger patient to save his life. The priest died, as have many others and many medics as well. We recognize sacrifice. The Apostle Paul in Corinthians and in all his writings calls his readers to see Jesus, to see the Savior of the world, to recognize that Jesus, God in the flesh, was the one who came to save us all, who gave his life for the whole world. He laid down his life to rescue us, to deliver us from our enemies, from our sins, from death itself. Paul himself changed his own name once he had met with Jesus. He was called Saul before and he was a persecutor of the church, an enemy of Jesus, but Jesus changed his life. 
Paul knows that because of Jesus, everything has changed. Life has changed. The whole creation has changed. For Paul, if you were to ask him who was his hero, he would have said unequivocally, Jesus. Paul, probably the most influential Christian follower of Jesus who has ever lived. His ministry has impacted more people than any other. Generations of Christians have read his writings. It sparked reformations. It has sparked revivals. Luther and Wesley were greatly influenced by the Apostle Paul's writings, the gospel of grace. And today we've had read to us his words again, amazing words. It's interesting to note that Paul often wrote in lockdown, in prison. But here in our series of Messy Church, we've been taking some themes from Corinthians. And in chapter 15, he addresses one of the great issues, the great questions that were being asked by the Corinthian church. What about death and resurrection? I was really struck this past week by an interview on one of the news bulletins. The manager of a hospice was being interviewed. She talked movingly about the challenges she was facing. She talked about the heartbreak of all the deaths of those in her care, of losing patients, each life precious. And then she said something really interesting I wasn't expecting. She said, however sad and heartbreaking, the pandemic had brought death out into the open. It wasn't something that was now hidden away, but openly talked about. That all of us are being forced to face our own mortality. All of us are having to think about that ultimate question. What happens when we die? Even Boris Johnson has talked about that in interviews in the press. Death has become a heartbreaking daily statistic. And behind each statistic is a heartbreaking story, a loved one lost. Funerals are taking place with only a few people able to gather. And in these times, our responses can vary. There are times when we can feel overwhelmed by the sadness. Sometimes we can fear for our own lives or the lives of those we love. But I believe it can also cause us to dig deeper into our faith in Jesus. What does it mean to believe in the resurrection? Many people are asking those big questions. Paul engages with the Corinthian questions in this chapter. These amazing words that he writes, the theme of 1 Corinthians 15 is the hope of resurrection, about the resurrection of Jesus and the future resurrection of all who trust in Jesus, who have accepted his amazing gift of grace. Paul is talking about the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus and the physical, bodily resurrection of all who believe in Jesus. Where we will live on the new creation, heaven and earth, with new bodies. Paul believes in Jesus. He believes in his words. 
Paul believes in life after life after death. Paul knows that if he should die, and he knows that he will, he will be at home with the Lord. As he writes to the Philippians, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And in 2 Corinthians, to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. We remember that when Jesus died, he died between two criminals and one hurled insults at him. The other turned to him with simple faith, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said these incredible words, today you will be with me in paradise. We have that assurance as believers that if we die, we will be at home with the Lord. But the resurrection, as Paul states, is when Jesus returns and we will all return with him, clothed in our new resurrection bodies, fit for the new creation, this glorious new heaven and earth, new bodies like Jesus' resurrection body. We, we haven't got all the details on that, but we will be physical. We will be able to hold one another, hug one another, touch one another, run and dance. I always remember going to football matches with a friend of mine who, who was disabled. He was a believer in Jesus and he looked so much forward to having a new body in the new creation where he could run and dance. The resurrection for Paul is not just life after death with Jesus, which we have that assurance, but it's life after life after death on a new creation. That last enemy, says Paul in verse 26, has been defeated. He, he calls death the enemy. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Thanks be to God that in Jesus we have the victory. Christianity is not a, just a set of ideas or a path to spirituality, one way among many. It isn't a rule of life. It isn't a political agenda. Jesus is the only way. The gospel is good news about Jesus and that event in history the event that changed everything forever, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And Paul says at the beginning of this chapter that this faith in the gospel, the good news, is of first importance. It's central to our faith. It's foundational. It's fundamental. It's non-negotiable. Because without it, we have nothing. Our faith is futile. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, we are lost in our sins, unforgiven, separated from a holy God. But because of the resurrection, all that Jesus achieved on the cross is vindicated. We have forgiveness, peace, hope, eternal life, all as a gift. And it all rests on the resurrection Paul declares that death has been swallowed up in victory. Jesus has drawn its sting. He has conquered. Our sins have been dealt with. So not even death. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus. Sometimes when we read the New Testament, we forget that Paul is probably the earliest written witness of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians and uh, his other writings, we have the earliest New Testament writings. And certainly in 1 Corinthians 15, the fullest writing on the resurrection before the gospels were written. Paul was writing about 54 AD, 
less than 20 years or so after the events of that first Easter day. And within three and four years of Jesus' resurrection, Paul had come to faith in Jesus, the one that he had stood against through that encounter with the risen Lord Jesus on the Damascus Road. He describes himself as one abnormally born. And in this passage, Paul speaks of the tradition that he's received, that oral tradition among the believers, how Jesus had risen from the dead and many had met him. It's not an exhaustive list. He doesn't mention the women. He doesn't mention the people on the Emmaus Road, those disciples, but he mentions Peter. He mentions the twelve, that general term for the, the apostles. To the 500 he appeared at one time, many who were still alive when Paul was writing. And then to James, not John's brother, but Jesus' brother, the leader of the early Jerusalem church. And then last of all, Paul says, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. And Paul knows and believes and teaches the Corinthians and reminds them of the gospel that they received that Jesus is coming. And with all those who have gone before us in faith, I think of all the friends that I have walked with in this life who are with Jesus now and that I look forward to meeting again when we'll be clothed in our new bodies. What a glorious day. We have celebrated VE Day. We do celebrate the heroes that we're discovering now in these difficult days, but let's celebrate Jesus, the Savior of the world, our Savior. What a glorious day that will be when Jesus comes again. So in conclusion, the resurrection of Jesus validates, proves the uniqueness of Christ. There is no one else like him. It means that we are a forgiven people. What happened on the cross has been sealed in victory. It means the gospel, the good news, can be proclaimed in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's unstoppable. It means Jesus can be encountered by everyone, known today, and we're grateful that many are coming to know Jesus in our days. And it means we too will be resurrected too with new bodies. It means death is defeated once for all, it means we can experience Jesus' victory and share in it. And so what a difference the gospel makes to the way that we live, to the way that we approach death and even bereavement. Yes, we grieve. There is nothing so poignant as losing a loved one. But we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We believe that Jesus, who died, rose again and is returning Jesus, our King, our Saviour, our Hero, our God, who is with us. He has made it ill possible. And so Paul concludes that chapter, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour is is not in vain. Let's encourage one another today with these amazing words, these truths. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, today we thank you 
for your victory over sin and death. We thank you that in you we can have a new life. We can have eternal life. We are safe in your hands no matter what happens, no circumstances, nothing, life or death cannot separate us from your love. And we thank you that we have this hope that we will come with you to the new creation of heaven and earth and live with you forever. So we bless you today. We thank you for your amazing grace. And we pray for our world that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done throughout this world as it is in heaven. To you be all the glory and honor and praise.